0: Thunderman LLC continue their war efforts. After a tense run-in with the Commodore, Argo spills the beans. Then he spills the beans about spilling the beans. The Unbroken Chain higher-ups are not pleased. The boys also make contact with Rainier in hopes of winning her dad, the Undying Lord, to their case. To top it all off, it seems the boys have some explaining to do. We listen to episode 21 to Taz's graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for talking Taz. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you, as always, is me, your host and producer PJ, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host Lauren. Hello, Lauren. What did you think of this episode?
1: I really, really liked this episode. We had talked before about how the boys get to like pick which NPCs they want to join their war efforts with this army against Gray that's looming, and I'm super into the choices they've made so far.
0: Yeah, honestly, I had to kind of remember that that even happened as i was reading the description because i was like oh yeah something other than the finale of this episode happened
1: oh yeah no that finale like was so insane and after listening to it i was like shook for a good half an hour afterwards but there was like a whole episode before before that happened
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean so clearly i need a refresher so let's kind of get through it yeah we start the episode as Argo goes looking to meet with the Unbroken Chain to convince him to join the Thundermint's war efforts. As he enters Jackal's classroom, he sees the Commodore coming from the balcony where Argo can safely assume he was talking with the Jackal. Oh my god. He sees Argo and sizes him up, walking directly to him with his hand outstretched, saying Argo is the young Spray he's heard so much about. Mm. Which we learned sprays like kind of a racist term against uh, Water Genasi.
1: Yeah, it is confirmed very shortly after this conversation actually so
0: argo laughs but says he isn't crazy about the terminology the commodore says not to mind a little good-natured ribbing and that he's heard so much about argo then he says that argo looks familiar and he realizes oh you must be shabri's son yikes and then he's like oh it's a shame what happened to your mom and i was like "Mm, you murderous bastard
1: right yeah big uh, great big shame i'm real sad about it asshole
0: Argo agrees, saying he misses her every day and that he thinks of the Commodore often. Anytime he thinks about her, he thinks about him. Mm. The Commodore says Argo seems to be doing well, and Argo admits that the Commodore is the whole reason he's at the school. And obviously, this is where he tells him, like, yeah, I want to be your sidekick, essentially. Yeah. And he says, oh, I've never worked with a spray before. And he's like, well, I've got to go. I've got incredible lectures to give. And he says he'll talk with Argo and his friends later.
1: Ugh. Ugh. He's so slimy and, like, just gross.
0: Yeah, I hate him. Ugh, and Sam. again, so he kind of explains that spray is essentially like a racist terminology against Water Janasi saying that the mother was impregnated as the water sprayed up into them basically. Yeah, yeah. Which is gross.
1: It's <laughs> super gross. I instantly was like, That's disgusting. Thank you for putting that in my head.
0: Griffin jokes that he smashes him with his maul and that the arc is over. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, please do. <laughs>
1: But actually, though, I know it was a joke, but could you please just like smack him for me? That'd be great.
0: Clint's also like, I'm gonna kill him. I'm back to wanting to kill him, but he's also like, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding.
1: No, but it's okay to like want to kill him because yeah, I do too. Yeah,
0: you know, after confirming that the other Thundermen have full knowledge of the Commodore and Argo's mission to get revenge, which we established in episode twenty, mm-hmm. for us, we're like, oh, it's been a week. How does he forget? But for them, it's been like two or four months or whatever.
1: Yeah so never fully understood this maybe you know they record like a super long session and then cut it up into episodes or do they only record one episode no, at a time i think they just
0: record one episode at a time okay. okay and they record like with gaps which we can assume because they talk about like well it's been two months since you know it's been two weeks it's been two months like so whatever since that thing happened mm-hmm. so i mean it it's it's gaps especially when you consider like you know again they take holidays off they take time off for mm-hmm. like family stuff they take weeks off whenever they have like the the adventure zone zone or like you know or a special like
1: a, or like are traveling for something exactly yeah. so
0: i mean again for us it's like oh yeah that thing that happened last episode for them it's like oh yeah that thing that happened like a month ago
1: yeah yeah they always have much bigger time jumps than we do
0: the fear book says the commodore seems like a dick and i agree
1: 100 percent
0: Uh, Argo basically explains kind of what we know, that Chabri was working for the Commodore, uh, but that she was a privateer for him, and he betrayed her by setting up the ambush and then not arriving to help her out. But, I mean, didn't need to help her out because he set it up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, Fitzroy promises that they will eventually do a smash on him, but he doesn't want their murder eyes to be bigger than their murder stomachs (laughs) because they seem to have a lot of murdering to do in the future. Yeah,
1: it's true. Which, yeah,
0: they've got a lot of murder on their plate.
1: They do, yeah. They have the whole war, which inevitably has got to have a lot of death in it, so.
0: Yeah. They agree that the Commodore, in the grand scheme of things, takes a back burner, but Argo says it can't be a coincidence that he's here. And obviously, clearly not. Like, Yeah. You know, he was personally invited by Phoronimus right at the height of them finding out about him. Exactly. That can't be, like, coincidence.
1: No, absolutely not. There has to be some bigger plot involved.
0: Victory wonders if the Commodore is a demon, but I, I doubt it.
1: No, I don't think he is either.
0: But I, I will say, I think there's probably a lot of people that are just in league with Grey. That's Knowing true. full well that he is a demon lord.
1: Yeah, just like normal people who he's recruited to his, his own war efforts.
0: Argo moves towards the balcony where there is no Gary, so it's, so it's a blessed place to have a clandestine conversation, and Jackal is indeed seemingly waiting for him. Griffin clarifies that Fitzroy and the Bulk aren't there for the conversation, and Clint says he has every intention of making them members of the Unbroken Chain so they can be fully in the know. Mm. Griffin points out that they have no idea what the Unbroken Chain is, and Argo says he's going to talk to Jackal, saying he's a member of the secret society he's a part of, and basically reveals everything. He does. He 100% just like comes out with all of it. It's funny, and I mean, I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but he even says some of the members yes and then later on when he's talking to jackal he's like they don't know who's in it and i don't even think he was lying i think he just forgot that like three minutes ago he (laughs) said who was in it not everyone obviously but some people
1: yeah no he (laughs) it wouldn't surprise me if he completely forgot that he just did that
0: obviously he explains that they were having him investigate fitzroy for his source of magic and fitzroy kind of worries that if they know that he knows, they'll dissect him. And the Fear Book says he will not let this dissection happen.
1: <laughs> that's that's true friendship right there.
0: That is what he says. He's like, you know, he doesn't wish to see Fitzroy dissected, which Fitzroy says is the true mark of friendship.
1: It is.
0: You know, I wouldn't want to see you dissected either. I guess that's true friendship after all.
1: Despite all of our arguments, kids, we're best friends.
0: <laughs> Fitzroy wonders if they are going to tell the Unbroken Chain that they, the Thundermen, know about their existence, not confident that they could keep up the subterfuge necessary to pretend they don't know about it, and Argo agrees. Mm. Saying he doesn't want to play games anymore, and essentially he says he wants to tell them everything. He kind the of Fearbolt does has. clarify... Yeah, the book. Well, he wants to tell the Unbroken Chain everything, too.
1: That's true. Yeah, it does go both ways.
0: The book clarifies that this is a secret group and that he doesn't really do well with secrets. <laughs> and there isn't, like... So... <laughs> Argo's like, well, it's a secret about Fitzroy. And Fitzroy is like, no, I mean, I think he means like the group as a whole is a secret, my guy.
1: Yeah, it's a secret organization.
0: And then Argo's basically like, well, like lies of omission aren't lies. So you could lie like that. And it's like, I feel like I feel like we're splitting hairs. Also, I mean, a personal question. Do you consider lies of omission lies? Yes, I do. I 100% do.
1: Oh, I do. Yeah, of course they are. You're willingly picking and choosing what you're telling somebody, which means you're concealing another part mm-hmm. of the information, therefore lying.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of people that are like, well, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell you the whole truth. And I'm like, guess what, bud? That's that's lying. That's a
1: lie. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Are we in the Serengeti? Because that's a lion.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Argo goes to talk to Jackal and Fitzroy casts an invisibility spell uh, and using his meta magic, twins it on him and the fear bulk.
1: Super cool. Travis
0: has Fitzroy roll on the wild magic table and he gets my favorite effect which is not being able to talk for a minute and when you try pink bubbles fly out of your mouth.
1: Yeah, you have mentioned that one before.
0: It is my favorite because it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I mean, one of my other favorites is, you know, grow eight inches out of nowhere and he's already had that one come to him too.
1: so as far as like meta magic goes you've already had your wildest dreams come true well
0: of wild magic yeah
1: for wild magic yeah
0: you know yeah but so a side note here travis is i don't i'm not mad about this i want to clarify running fast and loose with wild magic rolls
1: he is having griffin roll
0: just roll whenever he the feels like it yes he basically is like oh well, you know what? I'm going to have you roll for that, which isn't, again, I'm not saying that that's like a wrong way to do it because I personally also kind of go really ham with wi- my wild magic. Mm-hmm. Because, so, you know, the mechanic for wild magic is basically roll a d20. If you roll an at one, you have a wild magic. Mm-hmm. Oh, you succeeded? Well, next time it's a two or a one, and the next time it's a three, two, one. And like, that's how wild magic is supposed to work. I have it run, it's a d20, and it's 10 plus your spell level that you cast. Mm hmm. And it goes up by one every time you succeed. So I also go really ham with Wild Magic. But his Wild Magic is literally like, I feel like you should roll Wild Magic here. Which I don't think is a bad way of running it. Mm -hmm. If you're consistent with it. Obviously, we haven't seen it long enough to know if he is going to be consistent with it. Yeah, that's true. I don't think it's bad if you're consistent with it.
1: Yeah. I Personally, I like having Wild Magic occur more often than it does in normal D. yeah so i really like your mechanic and like you said i don't mind travis pulling out the wild magic sheet more often than it's used in standard D. but it does kind of feel like every time fitzroy casts a spell he's rolling whereas opposed to I have a like certain mechanic set in place so that when you reach this threshold, you'll have to roll no matter what.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of things that Travis does. We've talked about where rather than instituting a mechanic in place, he just kind of like wings it, Mm -hmm. which isn't the worst thing. But at the end of the day, I think D and D needs to be mechanics based. Yeah, that's how for the story to matter
1: exactly. Because yes, RP is fun. Yes, RP tends to be like the thing everyone. Is clamoring for, but there are rules and mechanics set to help with the storytelling. Yeah, and if you you have mentioned this before, I think you got this from Brendan Lee Mulligan, where there are two DMs at the table. There's the DM, and then there's the dice, and you mm-hmm. have to adhere to what the dice tell you. So then, in that same vein, you also have to play by the mechanics set in place. Yeah,
0: and again, I don't think him using more wild magic is a problem. And I'm no. not saying that's what you're saying, but like. For clarification, I don't think him using more wild magic is a problem. I just think Mm -mm. he should have a system other than today I feel like you should roll on the wild magic table five (laughs) times. But yesterday, only once, you know.
1: Exactly. So hopefully Travis has some mechanic that he's measuring this by. But so far, it feels like he doesn't.
0: Well, so far it almost feels like it's any time he uses his magic, because honestly, yes. Fitzroy doesn't use magic that often, and I no. feel like every time I will say early on he was using the regular wild magic mm-hmm. standard, a little modified, with like actual like game rules, but now it has been oh, he did a thing rolling wild magic, <laughs> so we'll see we'll see where this goes.
1: Yeah, it's become much more wild.
0: Yeah, which again I don't hate. Same. Jackal meets with Argo. And, you know, it's basically like, oh, I haven't, I've been wanting to check in with you ever since I know you came back, but we haven't really had a chance to meet up. Uh, Argo says he has found out some stuff about Fitzroy that he reveals. And he basically says Fitzroy is a solid dude <laughs> who can be a jackass on most occasions, but Argo trusts him and he's his friend. And there's a definite connection between Fitz's magic and the Godscar chasm.
1: That is some solid information yeah that argo sussed out
0: (laughs) (laughs) when jackal asks if argo's determined a source of the magic argo says he thinks so and there's a demon prince on campus which travis is like are you lying or are you just confused and he's like i think he's confused and he's like okay then i won't have you check that which i i appreciate yeah
1: i like that travis was like wait is this intentional
0: (laughs) i've definitely done that at my table where i'm like Wait, so what's your goal here? Because I need to know if I need to have you make a roll right now, because I'm not going to let you get away with that if that's intentional.
1: Exactly. I've been a part of many of those conversations, both as a player and hearing you talk to the other players where Mm -hmm. you have to decide if you're going to make us roll or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, you gotta. <laughs> and the role, again, the rules are there for a reason.
1: <laughs> exactly. The dice exist to help tell the story.
0: So if, uh, so Argo basically explains everything we know. The God's Chasm actually only popped up 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. The Demon Prince arrived, put a curse on Hieronymus and Higglemus, and that the actual Hieronymus is pho mm-hmm. You
2: know,
0: all the stuff that we already know. Yeah. He then tells Jackal that the Thundermen are going to try to stop him, and Argo wants to bring the Unbroken Chain in based on their directives that he received when he was inaugurated. Which I think is a good way of being like, this is your job, kind of, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it was a solid, like, pitch. It wasn't just, I want you in here because you're the only friends I have. It was, I want you in here because this follows with your bylaws.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jekyll says he's going to ask Argo one question, and he wants them to be honest. How much do Fitzroy and Fiorbolg know about the Unbroken Chain? And Argo tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He does. And Griffin Jokes. He's like, "Oh, I thought the fear bug was the one that couldn't lie." (laughs) Because I would have thought, you know, you would have lied.
1: I mean, Clint keeps talking about how he's really bad at lying, but he's not because in blame taking class, he was really good at it.
0: I just think Argo as a character is done with, you know, all of the you know misdirection, and I think honestly he wasn't ever super okay with having to feel like he was betraying Fitzroy. And I think as things Mm. are going on, he's like, you know, it's kind of like, it's going to be such a weird comparison. (laughs) And it was like when I got promoted at work, Uh I realized how much stuff was never told to the cast that I felt should be told to the cast. Yes. Like, obviously, there are things that need to be secrets, right? Of course, always. But, like, they were just very simple things where I was like, no one ever told me this when I was in my previous position. And I feel like I could have benefited from knowing that. Mm-hmm. And I just realized I was going to be the leader that, like, was, like, the information guy when it was, like, important for them to know. Mm-hmm. And I I, and I I get that in Argo where it's like, you know what? No, I'm tired of, you know, these, like, well, they can't know because of unnecessary reason.
1: That's true. Yeah, I hadn't considered that, but that does read for Argo, and especially since his bond with Fitzroy has gotten much stronger, going against him would be completely out of the question.
0: Fitzroy thought Argo tried try to lie to Jackal, obviously, but yeah, Clint says he's done with a lie. Clint says that Argo is done with the lies, and I do love when Griffin's like, well, apparently all you need to do to have someone tell the truth is say, tell me the truth. <laughs>
1: Are you a cop? You have to tell me if you're a cop. <laughs> Are you lying? You have to tell me if you're lying. If only it were that easy.
0: If only. Jekyll admits to knowing some of this information from Sabor and that they have called an emergency meeting for tonight. He'll be putting another item on the docket tonight, a tribunal. Argo really quickly is like, uh, thanks for the invite. And that's when, I mean, kind of the conversation we had earlier, Travis has to be like, um, I mean, it's been two weeks for you, but it's been like two minutes for them since you <laughs> talked to Sabor. So.
1: Yeah. Even, I mean, it was Jack Ulfers who kind of was like, this is literally the first time I'm seeing you since you're back. Um, So yeah. here's your invite. But Travis was then like testy and like, listen, I know it's a long time for us, but come on.
0: They say the tribunal will be a trial for Argo the Fearbulk and Fitzroy because Argo told people outside of the Unbroken Chain about the Unbroken Chain, therefore breaking the chain. Argo agrees because he's confused, saying they'll show up so that they can try to convince them about what is happening and try to get their help. And Jackal's like, no, that's not what's happening.
1: That's not what's happening here.
0: I'm going to tell you what's happening as a favor to your mom, but you guys are on trial. And because they know, they have to be sworn in, basically. We have to see if they're worthy of being members of the Unbroken Chain. And if they're not, all three of you will have your minds erased.
1: Yeah, that's like... I mean, I get it because it's a secret organization, but like, that's so insane.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it makes sense, but it's also terrifying.
1: <laughs> Very terrifying. I have a question because sometimes they refer to Jackal as the Jackal and sometimes they refer to him as just Jackal. Is that his name? His is name it is
0: a... Jackal the Jackal Rodriguez.
1: Is that a reference to something?
0: No, I just, that's oh. where my brain went.
1: <laughs> I'm here for Jackal the Jackal Rodriguez.
0: In canon for our podcast, at least, Jackal's last name is Rodriguez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God. But they never explain it.
0: No, I think I think his name is Jackal. But you know what? Honestly, what a great code name! Also, is the Jackal because who you know, would think it's that
1: like, you use your real name as your code name?
0: Yeah, it's like it's like if your name was Black Mamba. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if your name was already a super cool name, what's your code name gonna be? George like, the Defiler. No, it's gonna be like the Black Mamba.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you already have a really sick name why change it just for secrecy
0: yeah i think uh that's that's where we're gonna land on that his <laughs> name is uh, jackal the jackal rodriguez uh jackal the jackal rodriguez says they'll come collect them when it's time <laughs> justin does joke that he wants him to figure out all the details right here on this podcast that people listen to with their human lives <laughs> and they actually jokingly go with some back and forth before we move on
1: they do it was really it was great for me because that's exactly how all conversations go. Can we do it tonight? No, I can't do it tonight. I have a thing. Okay, well, how about next week? No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I had a I mean, really
0: I good time. I will say, Jackal, uh, at one point, as they move through the conversation, Argo offers to buy pizza for dinner for them. hmm And Jackal's like, well, I don't want to worry about splitting the cost. And I don't know. This is such a weird thing for me to clap onto. But I read that as Argo offering to pay for the pizza.
1: No, that's what I did. I assumed And that I was too. so confused
0: why Jackal thought they were going to be splitting it.
1: Right? Yeah, that's a good point. I, that's
0: a weird thing for me to glomp onto. But and I mean... That's where, I was like, um, I'm pretty sure he offered Jackal, maybe accept his offer.
1: Yeah, instead of just being like, oh, no, 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 I can't pay for that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Argo leaves as Jackal stays behind, needing to think. Fitzroy and the Fearbug linger watching Jackal. Uh, again, yeah, where you said they kind of keep calling him the Jackal. And I think that's more just them being confused. But now we also know he's Jackal the Jackal Rodriguez.
1: Yeah, well, when they call him Jackal, that's his first name. The Jackal is his middle name. And then they no one ever knows his surname because he's a secret boy. But it's Rodriguez.
0: He sings a song in a language they don't understand. He takes a step on the balcony wall and stretches his arms, tilts his face up, allowing the breeze to blow past him and then leaves. And it's like, oh, I, uh, I'm always heartbroken by this whole like lore thing that Kenkus like long to fly because they don't have the ability.
1: That's so heartbreaking. Travis really leans into it and makes it. So much more gut wrenching than it yeah. already is.
0: The only Kenku NPCs I've ever run were the ones in hell. So, like, I didn't really get to play around with any of that.
1: That's true. Yeah. They were cool, though. I liked them. They
0: were cool. Master Fearbulk seems uneasy about the tribunal, saying he doesn't like tests. Oh. The boys have some time to kill before the tribunal, and the Fearbulk returns to Sabor uh, right after leaving him, technically, when we're considering all the timeline things we've just established. Exactly. And asks if you have any books about the unbreaking chain. Sabor plays dumb and the fear boge tries to convince him, but to no avail. Mm. Justin does ask if he can make a check because like Travis is just saying no. But I will say, like, as a DM, like, I, my big thing is don't ever ask for a role if you're not gonna allow it. Exactly. Because otherwise you're gonna have to be beholden to what the role does. Like, you know, you can't be like, you know what? Fine, make a role and you have this impossibly high DC in your mind and they roll an that 20 what are you going to do say actually no never mind i didn't think you'd succeed
1: exactly you have to be very careful when you ask for a roll because the dice are telling the story
0: yeah and i mean <laughs> i say this but it's it's the hardest thing as a dm is sometimes you are just saying things because they're happening in the story mm-hmm. and your players are trying to play through them mhm and I've had this, and you have obviously been experienced it as one of my main players, when I will say something and story happens and all my players start being like, well, can I roll this? Can I roll this? And I was like, no, it's, it's I, this is just happening. There's, there's nothing to be done about it. Please stop. Let me keep telling the story. It's not important. This isn't a problem you need to fix. This is just a statement I have made.
1: <laughs> there's even been times where you're like, sometimes, guys, this is just a story, or this is just a plot line. You don't need to like figure it all out. Calm down. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, like I've definitely introduced things like lore wise in the world where I'm like when you're like obviously I'm using an example from our current game Mm. but where I was like when you're in this when you're going through the portal into this other world time starts to move differently and then I feel like my players started to be like you know we don't really you know I I don't know why it's happening like they're trying to solve it I was like guys sometimes I don't I'm not putting things out there as a mystery for you to solve I'm just putting this out there so that you know time is moving differently so that you don't expect to come back a day later and instead come back a month later
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that this did isn't happen. A mystery
0: to solve. It's just happening.
1: That did happen. Where all of us were like, "Oh God, maybe we need to like spend less time when we travel to other places." You were like, "How about not?" Because you guys are doing everything you need to do. So this is just a story mechanic. And I mean, let's you go. Know, yeah.
0: Sometimes in D and D, things are just there for the story, mm-hmm. and sometimes they are there to be fixed, and sometimes they are just there for the story, but they can be fixed. D and D is a game of multitudes
1: it is but listen to your dm kids they know best
0: but he does agree to let him do the check which i, I appreciate because i do think there's a world in which sabor does give that information up
1: yes but it's uh, not but this he one.
0: fails yeah so it's not this one <laughs> uh, fitzroy then says he would like to talk to rainier by the big tree playing fetch with some of her skeletons which is uh terribly cute
1: i mean i think terribly disturbing but We've been through this before.
0: Yes, I love Rainier and her little skelly friends.
1: I love Rainier. Her skelly friends are kind of creepy, but...
0: Shout out, Noelle, for the term skelly friends.
1: Because <laughs> she had skelly friends. Winkin' <laughs> Blinkin' and Nod.
0: And then only Nod.
1: <laughs> R.I.P. Winkin' and Blinkin'.
0: Vigera asks if she can put the skeletons away or to at least have them wear capes to diminish the amount of exposed bone. And she's like, capes? How have I never thought of that? I'm
1: super into skeletons wearing capes.
0: <laughs> Heck yeah. I also like the idea of all the tiny animal skeletons wearing capes. Yes, I love it. It's like that a tiny image. little like skeleton squirrel with a cape <laughs> fluttering behind him. <laughs>
1: I'm so into this.
0: I love it. <laughs> Fitzroy realizes that he has a lot of experience with cloaks, and he and Rainier could start a very lucrative business for pet cloaks. And I was like, yes, please do it. Spin off, spin off, spin off. He summons Snippers to clear his schedule for the night, except for the tribunal, obviously. Of course. Uh, which Snippers uh, uh, excitedly coos about.
1: I'm excited. Snippers came back. I love Snippers. It's Best been boy Snippers. Best boy Snippers. You will Best never quit in the
0: game. Ugh. 100 the fear book says they are not looking to expand their business at this time and fitzroy refocuses to the task at hand
1: <laughs> i love that the fear book is the like the business guru of the yeah. three
0: rainier does quickly recognize that fitzroy is much taller now
1: yeah a whole eight inches yeah
0: and he's like that's not important are you working for the demon prince gray and rainier's like why does everyone always think necromancers work for demon prince <laughs> And Fitzroy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not saying that because of the necromancy thing. I'm saying it because are you working for the demon prince, (laughs) Greg?
1: Oh, no connection to your necromancy. You as a person.
0: (laughs) And she says she's not. And Fitzroy feels, and, you know, Fitzroy believes her. So he fills her in on the whole situation, obviously, as we kind of go through many times in this episode. He does continue that he had a vision slash dream where Rainier had proposed marriage to him. Mm -hmm. And she blushes, which Fitzroy says he wasn't expecting from her. Obviously, I was. We've got we've talked this ship to death.
1: We have. Yes, the ship exists in PJ's heart and not in mine.
0: Well, and again, we now know for sure he's asexual, but not aromantic. I still ship it.
1: (laughs) You can still ship it. I still am hanging on to the asexual. A-, a romantic part right now and
0: but, then I mean, who's he, to we've say... established he's not aromantic he confirmed that's true. he's not a aromantic that's true so i mean i'm not gonna let you stick to that
1: <laughs> well then i'll stick to the asexual he don't need no man right now
0: that's fine i i accept that i accept that for sure okay maybe in the future uh she, uh, she seems surprised that he had no idea about anything she was laying down earlier and i was like i agree she's been pretty obvious she's been
1: very obvious <laughs>
0: Uh, Fitcher continues to say that he would like to have her help and her father's help. And when Rainier confirms that Fitzroy wants to meet her dad, she blushes again. <laughs> I love, I love, I just, regardless of anything, even if they never end up together, I just, I want nothing but the best for Rainier. She's one of my favorites.
1: Oh, 100%. I love Rainier. She is one of my favorite NPCs and I hope she ends, I hope this campaign ends with her getting everything she wants.
0: Fitcher confirms that he really just wants to see if her father's incredibly powerful necrotic powers could be helpful to their side. Rainier says that she can try to set up a meeting since he is in charge of the Army of the Undead, which Fitzroy is very excited about, though I imagine he would also be a little grossed out by.
1: Oh yeah, because they are going to be undead. Yeah. We know how he feels about the skeletons.
0: Uh, Then he's like, all right, well, let me know. I've got to go be in a lawsuit now. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, but I can't tell you anything about that, so uh, keep it sleazy, keep it easy. (laughs) Oh my god, Fitzroy... And then he's like, well, I'll be back. I might not remember this ever happened.
1: Oh, my God. All of these boys are so bad at lying.
0: I know. Rainier says she'll send him a message about the meeting with her dad once it's set up. The Thundermen go about their day and have dinner, and Travis wants to know what they'd eat for dinner, saying they've talked about breakfast a lot but not the other meals. Fitzroy has sashimi, which Griffin immediately says probably isn't true but offers no other alternatives.
1: Yeah, so therefore, so we still is all don't
0: know. We'll see. See, we still don't know what Fitzroy would eat for dinner. Maybe he just eats crepes all day. Crepes all day.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, listen, if they have the crepe master, is it the well, six or was it the five?
0: It was the crepe master five. So they have a crepe master a crepe five. station five. Crepe
1: station five. If you have that, why would you eat anything else?
0: Oh wait, no, it was the six because they had to skip over the five. That's true. Well, yeah, because you they, they can make savory crepes. You could have the savory crepes for dinner, breakfast, like sweet crepes for breakfast, and try really hard to make that mythical sweet savory crepe with the right controls for lunch. That's true, yeah. Or maybe uh, maybe Fitzroy is one of those intermittent fasters and he doesn't eat lunch.
1: That wouldn't surprise me. Although, having grown eight inches, he would have so much more body mass that he'd have to support. I'm surprised <laughs> he's not, like, starving.
0: Yeah. Clint wants to know if they've heard of Slim Goulian saying he doesn't know what it is, but he likes the word. <laughs> <laughs> and the Fear bug says he has nacho cheese berries, which are berries blasted with nacho cheese flavor. So Gross. we know that Fitzroy does, we don't know what Fitzroy eats. Mm-hmm. We don't really get confirmation that Argo eats Slim Ghoulian. Clint just asks if they've heard of Slim Ghoulian. And then the Fear bug eats the grossest thing I've ever heard of.
1: <laughs> that was so disgusting. Where Justin was like, no, they're berries blasted with nacho cheese flavor. I'm like, that sounds hideous. Uh,
0: Travis then has the boys make con saving throws, to which Fitzroy, uh, Nat twenties, mm. the fear bull Nat once, and Argo gets a nine. Argo and the fear bull get conked out and faint away, as Fitzroy manages to stay conscious and aware, though he can't use his arms or legs. As six hooded figures enter the room and drag them towards the school. Man, so then where
1: are their dorms? I assumed the dorms were in the school, similar to like a boarding school or like a Harry Potter situation, but it That's, sounds like they're well,
0: separate. It's weird because I don't think they should be separate because every image we've ever seen of the school, everything's kind of together.
1: Yeah, but then Travis says that they knock the boys unconscious, except for Fitzroy, know, and then drag them to weird. the school. So maybe I was like, it I- is
0: off campus. I've never thought of it that way because all the imagery we've ever seen hasn't been like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, college campuses do have dorms separate from like the classrooms but that's not how i read this place at all i don't know
0: also unrelated i'm sorry to jump back on this do you know what slim gulian is i sure don't do you I don't either okay
1: (laughs) when clint was like have you heard of slim gulian before i was like no and none of the boys had either and then they left i don't know if this is a
0: real thing
1: Do you think it's a word from another language that he thinks is like a food dish but it's not?
0: I literally just googled slim julian and obviously I don't know how it's spelled, but it like all of the things were like did you mean slim julian?
1: What's slim julian then?
0: It's just like it just thinks I'm saying slim julian. Oh. Uh, like okay. a slim guy named Julian. <laughs> It also suggests maybe simoleon, but I don't think he meant simoleons. That's
1: definitely not what he said. Is simoleon a
0: food? No, it's money. Like, simoleons, like, slang for a dollar. Uh, Did he invent this? I don't know. I can't find anything. Honestly, if anyone out there knows what the heck simgoolion is, please let us know.
1: This is the big mystery of the entire campaign. I don't care about the demon Prince Gray. I don't care that the Commodore's at the school. I don't care what the heck is going on with Chaos. I want to know what Slim Ghoulian is.
0: Oh my god, it's gonna haunt me for the rest of my days.
1: Ugh. Now you have this incomplete knowledge in your
0: sponge brain <laughs> yeah.
1: that just doesn't have a logical end to it.
0: Ugh, yay, yeah, yay. Yeah, yeah. I have to move on so i have thinking about it. <laughs>
1: this is a hellscape for PJ.
0: The hooded figures have the same shimmer of invisibility magic that Fitzroy used earlier as they all go downstairs. Fitzroy plays dead as he gathers information as to where they are and where they're headed. They go into the main building of the school. So again, and eh, I don't even want to get into this. Yeah. And down into the lower floors to the forge. They're laid gently on the ground. And one figure removes their hood to reveal Mosh, the blacksmith. He dons the special gloves that allow him to reach into the flaming forge, pull the lever to turn off the fire, and then reveals the passageway that leads to the unbroken chain's headquarters. The hood figures take the boys in, Fitzroy can see shim- the shimmering doorway uh, at the end of the passage with a large stone chamber beyond. As they pass through, the air is cooler and cleaner than the air in the forge, obviously, because it's not hot and on fire in here. Right, right. Uh, the hooded figures carefully place the boys in the chairs and take their place behind them. Uh, they face the dais, and on top of which are three more chairs, the most elaborate in the center, obviously probably for whoever is judge. Mm-hmm. And we know who it is. We know who it is. Uh, <laughs> another figure removes their hood to reveal the school medic, the elven woman, Marie. Mm-hmm. She steps forward and administers a potion which wakes the boys up and sits in their chair upright. Another person steps forward and removes their hood and it's a Goliath blacksmith, Mosh, addressing the room, saying the responsibility of judging the tribunal usually falls to the senior member present. Mm-hmm. Normally, that would be him, but as chance would have it, a member senior to him is currently visiting the school. Oh, God. He seats himself in the left hand chair, and the Commodore comes around the podium and seats himself in the oh, center. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Saying it's time to begin the tribunal of Fitzroy arguing the fear book as a giant smile crosses his face. Oh, my God. I'm pissed. I'm
1: so mad. I thought we were done with the Commodore after that whole, like, I uncomfortable thought get racist section. Him. Oh, no. I We were going to get At back to him. At some point, right? but not
0: this soon.
1: Not within the same episode.
0: And not... Oh, uh, man. This is honestly... Uh, uh, Chef's Kiss storytelling from Travis.
1: Oh, yeah, that was insane.
0: I hated it, but that's because it was so good. <laughs> it was
1: so good. Even all the boys
0: were like, oh no. Oh, man. And I knew it as soon as Mosh was like, uh, normally it would be me, but as Chance put up, I was like, oh no, it's not the Commodore.
1: <laughs> I was also clued in, but that's because I was clued in by the music theme that mm-hmm. started as Argo's theme, but now has become like the Commodore's theme. Yeah. So that's when I was like, "No, no way!" And it totally is the Commodore. Yeah.
0: Oh my God! I'm not. I'm not already for this tribunal. I'm not I mean, either. This is this gonna be rigged? It's hella hashtag rigged. Stop the steal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, i yeah. I'm so nervous, but Ugh. we're gonna have to wait to see what happens.
1: I know, and I'm so sad. I want to know now.
0: I know, but that's all we have for you guys this week unfortunately it's a wild wild ending a phenomenal cliffhanger to leave us on and a phenomenal cliffhanger to leave you on as well (laughs) so that's where we're gonna have to finish until next time i've been pj i've been lauren and we'll see you next thursday when we are once again talking taz